0: Mofos, welcome back to another episode of the Underestimated Entrepreneur. Today, I have a very special podcast. This is part one of a three-part series, and this comes from our Business Growth Odyssey event. Now, I interviewed my good friend, Dr. Patrick Chan. He essentially is a craniofacial specialist. His qualifications are that he is a plastic surgeon. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to ask him about how he stayed so focused for 17 to 18 years through all of his study and everything like that, his setbacks, how did he set goals, And then also, how do you focus under chaos? You know, some of the surgeries and so on that he does can be up to 18 or 19 hours long. How do you stay focused? How do you stay focused when the shit hits the fan when you're doing a surgery and something goes wrong? What do you do? How do you work through it? How do you stay calm? How do you control everything that's going on around you? I think that it's very important for business owners because we're consistently in an environment of chaos where things do go wrong and things can go wrong. And so I really wanted to interview Patrick to find out how he stays focused and how he stays calm on track and manages his team of people around him, especially in an environment where if something goes wrong, someone could essentially die. This here is part one of our three-part, series I hope you enjoy welcome to the underestimated entrepreneur where I share mindset lifestyle and business hacking tips tools and some painful lessons along my journey from growing my businesses and also working with some of the top entrepreneurs business leaders and professional athletes
1: so I'm Patrick Chan I'm currently a fully qualified plastic surgeon finished training earlier this year currently doing further training in cleft lip and palate and craniofacial and facial deformities and facial trauma as well. What's gonna happen in the next few years? Probably gonna go overseas, do more training, and then come back and essentially bring everything I learned back to Adelaide. I can start with like my background. I was born in Malaysia, lived there for nine years, then moved to the US for like nine, another nine years, then started med school in University of Queensland, then worked in Victoria, moved to SA, and here I am, essentially moved around the world kind of to a new place every four years, and this is the longest I've been in one place since I was nine. We love it here, so it's good.
0: Awesome, it's good to have you here. Thank you. i got a friend to go (laughs) driving with. Um, (laughs) Okay, so I thought that it's a great opportunity because I guess with Odyssey as well, I don't like to bring in professional speakers that just say the same shit time and time and time again. I like to bring in people where we can actually ask good questions that we can get good answers for that we can use in business and in our own lives so I was thinking about a lot of the problems that business owners face and I was really thinking about focus and mindset and how to stay calm under pressure and I thought who better than someone who works in essentially plastic surgery and working on someone's face like if you fuck up it's pretty obvious that you've (laughs) made a mistake right and that it can be millimeters I'm assuming yeah so first of all what I want to know or one of the questions that I have is, how do you train yourself to stay focused under pressure?
1: I think the training comes with the training it takes to become a plastic surgeon. The training's been, since I finished high school, 16 to 18 years to actually finally become a plastic surgeon. And essentially, you set the goal, right? At the end of high school, I knew I wanted to be a plastic surgeon because my uncle was a plastic surgeon. So I said, all right, my goal is the end, which is plastic surgery. Now, how do I get to there? Then you set mini goals along the way. So you have, well, I need to finish med school first, then between med school, after med school, you need to find a job. You need to get an internship job, then you need to get into plastic surgery training. And that process of getting into plastic surgery training can be kind of five years, because training's difficult. To get in is difficult. There's probably around 10 spots nationwide every year. They look at your CV, look at your interview, and look at all the different aspects, what sport you play, whether you're a national sport. It's a criteria out of 1,000 points. And nationally, they rank you out of 1,000 points. The top 10, essentially, in the country get in every year. I kind of break it down, right? After med school, you've got all these obstacles. Well, i got to do this to get this points. So i got to do that to get that points. And then you set your goal. By this year, I need to get this done. And by, by fifth year or after med school, I need to try to get on to training. Then when you get onto training, it's a completely different set of goals then. Training is training's five years, so every year you've got an exam in the beginning, then you have an exam at the end as well. So every year you're hopping from one hospital, it's like an apprenticeship. So you're learning new procedures. In the first year, you want to be able to do these procedures. By the end of the second year, you want to be able to do that. And in the fifth year, you should be able to do everything. All right. So people think plastic surgery is just face, cosmetic. It's not. So we operate on every part of the body, so we need to learn essentially anatomy of the entire body. So you have face, so it can be skin cancer, can cosmetic, can be the trauma, facial trauma, lacerations to bony trauma, then cancer in the neck, then breast reconstruction, that's plastic surgery as well. People who have a lot of weight loss and then got excess skin, that's plastic surgery to get rid of the skin. And any hands, all the hands done by plastics, all the fractures, hand injuries, and any reconstruction. So essentially, if you have a hole somewhere in the body, we come in to fill the hole. So then after that, we finish the training. Then what's the next goal? So I'm at that stage where I'm thinking, well, I finished training. Now, what is my next goal? My next goal would be, well, I want to bring back new technology from overseas into cleft lip and palate, and try to bring it back to Adelaide, essentially. In summary, I try to have multiple main goals, but then split it up into smaller steps and enjoy the process, essentially.
0: How did you learn how to enjoy the process? Because sort of, I remember in reception at school, mum dropped me off one day and I went, fuck this. And I walked to the back of the oval and I sat there <laughs> for about two hours. And then I walked home and mum said, what are you doing home? You should be at school. And then I got in trouble and I got yeah. taken back to school. How did you stay at school for so long?
1: I think you need to, um, (laughs) well, the difference is I, I, I couldn't even
0: make it through reception without wanting to not be there.
1: Well, first of all, we get paid, all right? So after school, after med school, you get paid. And you just need to love what you do, all right? So if it is your business, love that business. Love what you do. And naturally, as you find different steps, love the step, understand that there is that process, Eventually, you'll get there, but you just need to love what you do. That's probably great feedback. <laughs> I mean, that's simple to say, but I mean, sometimes I've gone through hoops. I've been pushed back from multiple jobs when i have trying to get onto training, and you always doubt yourself. You're like, is this really what I want to do? Then what I do is then I find a new passion. Right? It's still the same thing, right? So it's plastic surgery, but I went overseas. So I went to Cambodia. So I started doing volunteer work in Cambodia. And started helping surgeons out doing volunteer work for five weeks a year. So all my annual leave I'll be spending in Cambodia assisting these surgeons operating on these kids. Even though I couldn't get on, it took me a while to get on the trading. What I did was obviously try to refine that passion, right? Find that fire. And you can do that by going overseas, try to
0: change things up. But in the end, it's plastic surgery. In the end. So from At a young age, when was it that you really discovered that, because you said about your uncle and all that, and after high school, do you remember the moment where it clicked that that was a thing that you wanted to do?
1: When it really clicked was when I, probably middle, mid through med school. So in med school, you go through rotations, right? You go to a bit of orthopedics, then you do a bit of medicine, then surgery. And I did a two week rotation in pediatric, so kids plastic surgery. And I remember that first case we did, was this kid that had a, we call it craniosynostosis. So it's when kids, they've got these gaps in their skulls when they're first born. And when the gaps close prematurely, their heads lengthen or they grow up. And so they look deformed. These kids are, what, six months old? That first case was that case. Essentially, you take apart the whole skull and you remodel it like a carpenter on the side of the table and then you put it back together. When I saw that first case, I'm like, man, I love this stuff. (laughs) And then you see the parents' reaction. I think a lot of it's the parents' as well. You see the parents' reaction and they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You've completely changed. And one operation has completely changed his shape, right? Or the cleft lip, kids, with the cleft lip, they've got that gap in the lip. And one operation that changes their appearance. Another thing that really sparked it was when I went overseas, seeing how even though they don't have much in terms of financial, stuff but the families are really really happy with what we've done for me it's that feedback from the families that really sparked my
0: interest how do you deal with the situation so you're in surgery you're super focused yeah you've got a team of people around you noise and shit going on yeah how do you just stay honed in on that and because you essentially have to lead a team or manage people as well and make sure that everything's working there's time frames and how do you deal with all that? What are your processes? Yeah.
1: So let me set the scene first, right? So in the operating room, you've got the anesthetist, and then you're operating, and then you've got the nurse, the scrub nurse who scrubbed with you, and they give you all the instruments. Then you have another nurse who transports or gets the instruments and passes it to the instrument nurse. Then there's people who do the orderlies, who move the beds, and et cetera. Now, theatres can get noisy sometimes. I usually have a background music, and it's something quiet. If it gets noisy, I essentially just tell everyone, hey guys, I'm concentrating, can you please just give me 15, 20 minutes of concentration. I think in the end, for me, I look at it as, well, what is my goal at the end, right? I'm doing this operation, what is my goal? My goal is to improve or fix this patient. So when you focus on the goal, which for me is the patient, then everything else just falls into place. And everyone else in the operating room has the same goal, is to finish this case in an efficient manner and in a safe manner without any complications, so I think in general, in the beginning of the case, I think, we talk about it, we say, I need this, 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 and uh, this will take probably this long, and I just tell them this part is the critical part, just be quiet while I'm doing that, yeah, that's what I do. But if something is going wrong, then I can either ask for someone else's opinion or yeah, and just obviously communicate. I think communication is really important in the opening room.
0: So you're doing a case, things aren't going to plan, stuff starts going wrong, how do you keep everyone on track and still focused on that while you're still trying to figure out what's happening and how do you not panic, get stressed, or any of that sort of stuff?
1: So I start with preparation already before the operation because I know which are the critical steps and I know what my first choice is. If something goes wrong, I know what my second choice is, right? And a third choice. I always have a few backups. So if that's something that goes wrong, communicate with everyone. Say, look, something's going wrong. I just need to focus. And there's always help, all right There's always a surgeon next door from another specialty if I'm not familiar with it, or there's another plastic surgeon around. Always ask for help. Don't think that I'm always in this alone. There's always going to be support. Awesome feedback. That's what I feel there's always going to be colleagues. It's not a competition. In the end, the patient, for us at least, the patient's the primary goal. And so I will ask for help, even if it's another specialty who does something similar, I'll ask for help from them. They might do it slightly better than I do.
0: How do you switch off and relax after a big surgery? So you've had a big day, everything's happening, like it's, oh, it's probably this mic, everything's pretty intense. I'm assuming, and focus when it's going on. How do you just leave everything in the theater, and not take everything home, and that cause issues in relationships yeah. and everything else that's going on?
1: So the lucky thing is, you can't take a patient home. <laughs> 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 Patients stay in the hospital. So when I go home, I turn off, essentially. How I turn off, I focus on the things I enjoy. Right? Sure, the patients in the background, I still need to go back maybe in a few hours. I might need to go back to check the patients. If we're doing a complex reconstruction, I'll check them before I go to sleep. But in that time period when I finish to the time I go to sleep, I know what I love. I love basketball, I love running, sports. I love cars, that's how we met. <laughs> and just reading, just reading other stuff that's non medical. And but then when I, right before I sleep, just go see the patient and then come back and then sleep. I feel life is too short to just focus on work itself and bring your work back home. I've had, this might lead into another question if you do ask, but I've had family tragedies where cousins have died at a young age and they've always brought their work back to home because they started a business and they don't really see their kids. Well, I'll give you an actual story. So, my cousin was on the flight that got shot down over Ukraine, the Malaysia Airlines flight. And him and his wife were on holiday in the UK and they were on the way back to Malaysia. Now they left their kids in Malaysia. And so I knew how he worked so hard, but then when he comes back, like he doesn't really have time for the kids. And so when that happened, we went back and essentially my parents helped take care of the kids. And you can see a big difference of when parents are around or not. Yeah, so life is short, essentially. So find the things that you love. Don't wait to do them. Take off your bucket list early and treat each day as the next or the last day. For me, yeah, when I go home, I try to be productive. I don't try to sit in front of TV and just watch Netflix. Just go out and just enjoy.
0: Do you think that being a surgeon has, and do you think that this is common with most surgeons, have to almost deal with the idea of death daily that that actually makes a lot of surgeons more aware of the way they live
1: yeah I think so yeah especially if you're doing cancer cancer work right I see 30 year olds getting diagnosed or with melanoma 30 year olds or you can have someone like you're in a hospital environment you have nurses as well so recently a nurse had passed away and the diagnosis from the time of diagnosis to the time of death can be really quick like the cancer can be growing for a while but you don't notice it until it's already spread so we realize that and because we works hard at least for me i think you got to play hard
0: I hope that you've enjoyed part one of this three-part series. Please remember if you haven't already done so, jump across to our Facebook group, which is the No BS Business Hacks group on Facebook. Especially if you're a business owner, we're consistently adding new content in there to help business owners consistently grow, expand their business, and also deal with a lot of the chaos which is starting to happen in the economy at the moment. And make sure that people survive this next crazy economic cycle, I guess you could say. And if you don't already know, there is definitely something coming. We can definitely see interest rates and all that stuff are going up. There is going to be tightening up of consumer spending, which then means that a lot of businesses are going to struggle. So I want to make sure that our community are absolutely thriving in those environments when everyone else or when competitors are struggling. So please jump across to the No BS Business Hacks group on Facebook. It's absolutely free. So just jump across there and I'll see you back on here for the next episode.